Hello and welcome to a suspiciously still episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be reviewing part two of our socially obligated Halloween trilogy with 2022's Nope. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Creature Feature, The Devils in the Details, Pray to the Heavens, Into the Great Wide Open, and The Sound of Music. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. Hey, man, I saw your truck outside. You getting an early start? Uh, I brought some dough. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. How did you get in here? Hey, good, good bear. E easy bear. Look, I, I'm not looking you in the eye. I'm not looking you in the eye. The door is, is, is right there. Just, just shoot. Just, just get. Don't, don't make me do it, bear. Okay, just, here, take a donut. Okay, that's it. Oh, thank God. Whoa, what in the hell happened up here? This place is a mess. Are, are you serious? Why do you have the pistol out of the box? And what are you doing with the donuts? Uh, do, do you mean to tell me that you were downstairs the whole time and, and didn't hear anything? How is that possible? I don't know, I had headphones in. There was a fucking bear in here wrecking shit. You shot a bear? Jesus, I fired a warning shot. How, how can you be so nonchalant about this? I don't know. I'm just ready to talk about Nope. Shall we? A pair of siblings suddenly inherit their father's horse training ranch and are shocked to find his death might have been inadvertently caused by an extraterrestrial. The two must now attempt to film the unidentified flying creature responsible for killing their dad or be forced to sell their land to a neighboring roadside attraction run by a Hollywood dropout. As pressure mounts, they enlist the help of their tech salesman and a world-renowned cinematographer to capture the Oprah shot, save their family legacy, and maybe become famous in the end. Alrighty, Travis, we'll jump into five-point inspection, but you know I gotta know. What is your quick diagnostic of 2022's Nope. Uh, well, I made a calculated decision to wear my uh, Scorpion King uh, 2001 crew hoodie as seen in this movie. So I kind of already have let you know, uh, at least a little bit. Um, I saw this movie in theaters. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say preemptively, if I like this movie more than you, I think one big part of it will be the format in which we saw it. I don't know. How, how big is your TV, Brett, out of curiosity? Uh, at least 96 inches. Okay. Well, I think it might be close to 108. I, I have a, I don't have a TV. I have a projector on a giant white wall. So. Okay. <laughs> then you know what? Maybe I don't have the sound system though. It's just, I just have the visual it's 4k, but I, I don't have a, a like a, a surround sound system or anything like that. So you still got me beating the theater experience. Okay. Well, yeah, the, the screen size, you, you might uh, be on par with what I saw it on, but yeah, the, the sound, everything about this movie, it was, it was made. I know a lot of, you know, quote unquote, artsy, you know, cinema, cinema files, cinephiles, cinephiles, you know, will be like, oh, it's best. You got to experience it on the big screen. And I think like 80 percent of the time that's bullshit. I think this is one of those times where it's true. I love this movie. Um, I've got. A couple of problems with it, and it, it's it's almost all script related. I think this movie is like. A plus, A plus, A plus. The scripting, the pacing, the editing, though, sometimes kind of falls short. So well, I'm sure we'll get into that with more details, specifically maybe the devil being in the details. But what what were your initial thoughts? Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm a big fan of, of uh, was it Jordan Peele and a lot of his... I didn't see, uh, what is it, Us? What was the, his second one? Uh, get Out was obviously fantastic. Um, I, did, I didn't see his second one. This is the third, his third into horror. I think it was a, a fantastic movie. Really enjoyed it. I liked the his take on flying saucers. I thought that that was an interesting spin on on a known property. I think a lot of it you could tell was very influenced by Jaws, which is probably you know one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Um, definitely one of the most influential. But uh, even the score at the beginning, I noticed that with 
when it's uh the first thing you're going in through like the the flashing box and it it zooms in and it's the the uh the two second clip of the jockey on the horse like that score i'm like you can tell it's kind of like dun, dun, dun. like it's not the exact thing but you can tell like they were trying to kind of emulate that a little bit or put their own spin on it which i appreciated I, I thought it was really well done essentially kind of think doing an homage there um but i i did i very much enjoyed it so um i it's one i'll i'd go back and watch again easily i, I think it's it's a fun movie i will say my biggest problem with the movie and it's it's one that's kind of hard to get over uh was the main one of the main characters i hated in this entire movie i she she redeems herself at the end but for the most part it's one of those i what i think is beautiful about the movie is that the siblings are so polar opposite and they make it very clear like visually they're polar opposite em is very flashy and colorful and what she does very spontaneous you know the free will and all that whereas oj is very much drab work there's work to be done we're gonna get work done very loyal to his family and all that and i think i definitely style wise i am like him i'm very flashy and, and flamboyant but in terms of personality i think i probably catered more towards oj and like hey there's shit to get done and i'm very loyal to my friends and family and i think that's why i, I didn't resonate well with him is because of how many times she fucked over oj or wasn't there for oj or for her family and i just like at a certain point like it got gradings and like I said, the worst was at the beginning of the movie where I'm like, I'm, a, I'm already over her as a character. And again, they build on it and it's good because she actually does have an arc, but it's definitely at the beginning of that movie where I'm like, I'm fucking over her. No, it's funny you say that because I remember sitting in the theater and the person that I saw the movie with, I literally turned at one point and I was like, if this is going to be her characterization for the whole movie um, and this is how she's going to act the whole movie. I don't know if I can sit through this. It was that bad. Now that mm. kind of faded for me by the time we get kind of into the second act and definitely by the time we get to the third act, because the third act to me is, is the strength of this movie. But yeah, I thought they did too much to make them polar opposites. I'm like, I get it. He's quiet and stoic and workman. Like, don't bring your personal shit into work. She's the free spirit. Can't hold down a job type, but they really, Jordan Peele really beat you over the head with it too, too much. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's hard not to notice just just how polar opposite they wind up being in this movie. So um, even to the point where it's like, oh, this is the family business. She's like, no, this is my side hustle. I'm like, okay, it's clearly they have very opposite trends and what they're doing in life and all that. So um, with that, I mean, do you want to jump into five point or did you want to talk a little bit more just, you know, overarching about the movie? Um, real quick before we get into the five points, I want to talk about the opening scene the the scene not related to oj and m the the gordy's home scene the chimp oh yeah okay i that's one of the most terrifying sequences i think i've seen in a movie in a long time i remember watching that when when the chimp notices uh young jupe under the table Mm -hmm. And and the monkey, or excuse me, the chimp stares into the camera and then you get your title card, nope. I thought that single frame of the chimp staring at us, the audience, absolutely horrifying. And that's before you even see, because you get it twice, you get the tease at the beginning and then kind of uh, when you're introduced to Ricky mm -hmm. later, you get the full scene. I thought that scene was terrifying. I love the way the camera pans through the back halls of the studio and then kind of comes around the the, the fake plants kind of implying like a jungle and he's just mm -hmm. slightly out of frame and hidden but you can see the atrocities he's committing i i thought that was beautiful i agree here's the thing that was the most tension in that scene and made me the most uncomfortable and i don't they i don't think they ever really specify why but it, it comes back up in later scenes the shoe standing straight up i don't understand why this shoe did that because later in oh is it jupe's like secret room of stuff he has the shoe sitting in there i'm like what is the relevance of the shoe because every time to me it's just super unsettling that i mean that that shoe just standing completely up on its own and i'm not exactly sure what it was but like i noticed it every time it was in the scene where i'm like it's just it's so weird to have it there but yeah the opening scene i you know as always i like to predict where a movie is going and you know what the themes and all that were and i thought it was going to be more about how we as human like the we all knew this was going to be about aliens if you've seen the trailer i knew it was about it so i thought it was going to be like oh almost a truman show type thing where like 
the aliens are watching us and you know we wind up we're the gordies and it's going to be you know you can only train them so much before they're going to fight back and that was going to be them fighting back the aliens not the case at all that's not the direction they went in this movie at all but that's where i thought it was going at the very beginning but uh well real yeah, quick. it is it is an unsettling scene at the beginning just a comment on the shoe standing up i i could take that two directions and see if you like either of the theories the simplest form would be because Ricky survived that unscathed, whereas, you know, other people died or were horrifically disfigured, he's been waiting the rest of his life for the other shoe to drop. The shoe didn't drop that mm. time he got away. The shoe eventually drops when Jean Jacket eats him um, and his family. Oh, and that's a, I like that a lot. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess the other one is OJ ass Emerald what's a bad miracle? Do they have a name for a bad miracle? That shoe standing up is a miracle, but it's happening in the middle of one of the most horrific moments of a person's life. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, with yep. that, did you, uh, did you want to start with any particular five point? Uh, so let's do the devils in the details because I actually was going in a different route, um, with that. Okay. So I think it'll be interesting to see where our discussions go because mine is actually how I appreciate the level of detail throughout this movie that, that Peel put into it because one of the first things I noticed, and it's again, you have to think about it in the moment and then come back to it later when you, when the reveal happens is um, when they go to Jupe, when OJ goes to Jupe to sell him lucky, right. And they're in the office and OJ is talking to him about like, Hey, I want to set up some kind of plan where I can buy back some of my horses. And Jupe has that reaction, like, yeah, buy back some of the horses. I'm like, oh, that's a really, like, kind of shitty reaction. Like, it must be like, oh, there's no, like, we're yeah, you, one of those, like, we're taking your land. Yeah, you're never going to be able to afford it, yeah. Exactly, and it's so subtle, and it's not aggressive or anything, like that, but it is that kind of, like, yeah, buy back the horses. Because Jupe knows the horses are being consumed. <laughs> like, there is not, you ain't going to buy back no horse. <laughs> um, and then when it comes back later in the movie, in... You find out why, um, you know, you see what's going on. You're like, oh, shit, that's why he was acting so weird in the office. And I love being able to think back to previous scenes like, oh, I distinctly remember that scene, the way it was being played out. And it's like, oh, because that character does know what's going on, the audience doesn't know yet. So it's like, I can remember in the time, but it's one of those, if you don't, maybe if you go back and watch the movie the second time, it's like, oh, that's why he's acting so fucking weird in this scene is because he's not buying back the horse. There's not going to be a horse to buy back. Um, so I think stuff like that is is really great. I um, Oh, yep. Real quick, another, in that scene too, uh, kind of subtle stuff, when he tries to use some Spanish on him, he says, su casa is mi casa which your house is my house yeah, yeah you can take it like oh he's just bad with spanish or if you want to read a more sinister tone he's like hey eventually your home will be mine yeah i caught that too and i was like that was completely again is he trying to be cute about it or not but yeah i love that um next thing was i wanted to talk about the tmz guy's helmet being super metallic and shiny what did you because th thematically this is some of the stuff is going to be kind of the themes of i think the movie what did you think about his metallic helmet uh i mean it made me think of the the reflective ball they were using uh for the horse at one point the one that eventually caused the mm -hmm. horse to kick the lady and i think that was lucky like you said um and i guess the other one uh and, and this is just me spitballing but the fact that everybody can see themselves it's a mirror so everybody can see themselves in it and ultimately mm -hmm. the tmz guys kind of just the same as oj and emerald like he's just in it to get the shot and to get the fame which so much so that i thought it was dumb where he's like take my camera take my camera like he's about to die i'm like that was a bridge too far for me like again jordan peele just ease back a little bit but what did you think about the helmet I so similar thing as to me it was the fact that it was reflective it was that not only is it reflective but it's distorted almost like a, a funhouse mirror where it's like essentially these TMZ people and all that they, they go out and they take the picture and it's a distortion of what reality is like you're looking back at them and you're seeing this distortion it's not exactly what it is it's what they've decided to show you through their lens in order to get the picture in order to get the you know the fame and all that stuff so I just thought it was interesting beyond it kind of looking cool just the fact that again it was that reflective distortion to me uh that was kind of what i took from it is again m is looking at herself and looking at reality being warped and distorted and essentially you know a commentary as to you know 
all of the the fame and chasing all that that you know a lot of this movie i guess is about spectacle and stuff like that but chasing that is essentially you lose reality and what actually is real it's just about you know that picture and to your point that that goes all the way to the guy you know when he's on the street you know on the ground you to make sure were you're filming it when i crash were you filming it like you've got to film like the the only focus is can i get famous off of this like it doesn't matter what harm comes to me i just have to get the shot where this could make me potentially famous well yeah and i mean like the cinematographer literally he gets the shot but it's still not good enough like he's he literally kills himself to get a better shot Go mm, for it because of the perfect lighting and all that you know it's it's the golden hour um but that was one of my complaints about the tmz guys i appreciated what jordan peele was trying to say with all of that i thought the message was good i thought it was weird him being tacked on at the very end right it's just like all of a sudden there's a tmz guys like there was no threat of this coming up even the news report like it just feels like this guy came out of absolutely nowhere it would have been one thing if like it was implied that that was the motorcycle out in the, the dark field when you know maybe jupe is talking to tmz that they should come because the local newspaper basically wasn't going to come out to the event and you know because that was established when when oj was selling the horse too is that jupe's wife was trying to get the local news press to come out and see the big reveal of the alien but they were like yeah we're not coming out like it's we it's your little sideshow thing. We don't care about whatever this is. Um, so I thought it would have been more interesting if he had been established earlier. Because like I said, you could have had the car and then the single headlight would have implied that that was the motorcycle. And it'd be like, okay, he's been here the whole time. It's not just all of a sudden a dude on a motorcycle shows up because, you know, oh, it's gray because of Google Maps. So must, something must be out here. Yeah, as as it's presented in the movie, it just feels like a way to get M the motorcycle to have her heroic yeah. moment at the end. Because it's 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 private property, right? It's it's like he came onto private property, and and that's why I'm thinking like in the whole time she's trying, I'm like, all I would have said was like, this is private property, get the fuck off of it. It doesn't matter what we're doing out here with all the inflatable men. Like, short of it being the cops, like, where did you get all of these? Because she clearly stole them. It's like just tell him to leave. There's no, he has no right to be there. Yeah, cat castle law, stand your ground. <laughs> I don't know if that, that stands in in California, but um, and then, uh, you know, just some of the other stuff that I, I thought was really interesting was Antlers. The cinematographer was every time it shows him, he's always watching footage of like, Predator and Prey. Yep. Yeah, Predator and Prey. And essentially that he winds up being consumed by that almost to the point where is he the prey or is he the predator? Like he might have the camera. He's trying to get the perfect shot. But ultimately he winds up because one of it's a tiger being killed by an anaconda. Um, it's one of those, those are both predators. And it's like one of, you know, who attacked who was that antlers basically being like, again, he was going for the kill and then wound up being killed because he got, you know, his hubris is, uh, got in the way there. So and then the last thing I wish, this is one of those where I think I wish Jordan had taken it a little bit further is I did like the callback to the crank when they get the picture at the end. I like that it was a callback because you saw him, you know, screw up those kids' pictures earlier. But even then, I thought it was cool that it was basically the... That's what I thought they were going to do, and I, they didn't take it far enough. Was I thought she was just going to keep putting quarters in and cranking it, and it was essentially going to create the same two seconds still yes. as the jockey on the horse. I was like, oh, man. And then it was like, oh, no, it's just the picture. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that was such a cool opportunity. Like, I realized it would have been one of those, like, how fast is she having to crank that thing and how many coins does she have? But I'm like... That to me would have been the perfect finale of that is like they're popping out and then all of a sudden like maybe somebody flips through them and it basically looks like that two second clip or the end of the movie as the credits are rolling is just the two second clip of the alien coming. I'm like, that would have been a perfect finale. And I'm like, you've you've gone and put so much detail into this movie and that's where you decided to pull back. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, that that would have been a beautiful little bow on the movie. Um, but I thought you were going to be more negative with the devil in the details. I, I don't know if this falls more into, I have questions, but um, how does OJ know that if you don't look at it, it won't kill you. That just uh, kind that, of, I, that, that was my, I have questions. <laughs> so yeah, we'll do that now. And then we'll jump back to five point. Yeah. That was my question is like, and it goes, it'll come back into creature feature just because the creature feature is just talking about the design of the creature. I'm like, that was the only thing that confused me. And Travis, I even, I did a lot of research on this. All right. About, because Jordan Peele apparently did a lot of research to try and make the 
the alien believable, right? He went to marine biologists and stuff like that. What would be possible? What wouldn't, you know, obviously that's underwater, but just kind of like translating that to something that floats and, and, and rides air and, and, and wind and stuff like that. And a lot of it was based off of the, the its original form or its, its saucer form is like off of a, a sand dollar. And I'm like, okay, the sand dollars have eyes? Like, cause that was my biggest thing is I guess another thing he said was like, oh, isn't it menacing if it's giant eyes also its mouth? And I'm like, I never pictured it having an eye. Like there was never to me, I just thought it felt things. And I went back and researched. I'm like, does a, does a sand dollar have eyes? Cause I just thought it kind of had like philia and like it just felt things and, and changes in the current stuff like that. I'm like, as far as I could tell, they don't. So I'm like, that was my my only complaint about the whole thing is obviously I, I got where they were going with like don't look at it it's an animal but like just give me something that's very clearly the eye and I think there's like a little divot on one of its edges and I'm like maybe they're trying to say that's the eye but then half the time the thing is fucking over hovering over somebody and I'm like how is it how is it seeing anything for it to be defensive and I agree that, that was my only complaint about the creature thing is like you wrote this whole thing about it having some visual but like i never got a strong sense that the thing actually had an eye and was looking at stuff i think it's only by the time it takes its final form and it does that weird like i mean it's basically a rectangle like a movie screen and it keeps like popping out and getting closer that felt like its eye so i guess presumably you're you're supposed to extrapolate that the hole is also its eye but it, there's nothing about the creature design that shows that in any way. I mean, that you literally have that horrific scene of people getting sucked up into it. There's no implication that they're going up into the eye of the beast. Dude, and I, that, I, because I watch everything with subtitles, they actually, like, I didn't realize a lot of the sounds of the monster was basically people screaming. Was it's like, and it has its own, like, gurgles and stuff like that, but a lot of, like, the, like, unnatural sounds, it's because its prey is screaming within its its bellows until it kills them. And I'm like, I read that in the subtitles. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like, that's harrowing. And then I think a, f a few scenes later, like, it's a little bit more apparent that it's the woman screaming because I think it's they scream and then you hear that and then suddenly there's no sound. But I'm like, knowing it from the beginning that that's what that sound is, I'm like, it makes it way worse that as it's zooming by and you're like, Wah! it's like, oh no, that's everyone inside it screaming in terror. Yeah, it, it sounds like there's one scene, I love the sound design, and you know maybe this came through better in the, the theatrical, but it sounds like people on a roller coaster. Like, mm -hmm. like the and as it moves, the kind of the sound gets louder and quieter as if people are going up the, you know, the dips of a roller coaster, but it's, Roller coasters are fun, and this is obviously the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, so were there any other devil in the details, like negative stuff that you wanted to go into? Um, <clears throat> this is going to – when we do our, 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 our chops later, like what we would change as far as writing, cinematography, it, it'll come more into play there. But did you notice that Antlers at one point towards the end of the movie is taking like pills out of a prescription bottle which is the movie universal mm. sign of like i'm dying but that's the only time that's even hinted at or suggested so i it feels like a lot was cut out in fact i know because apparently the original cut of this was four hours and i i'm so tired of directors Ooh. doing that it's like you know the studio's never gonna green light a four-hour movie so plan accordingly yeah it's like you're you're destroy your own story like just write the story for for two hours <laughs> yeah because did you know there was a whole uh cut subplot of uh the girl that gets her face mauled on gordy's home has like a stalker uh and he's technically no. the one that shoots gordy at the end because he was going to the studio to try to kidnap the girl yeah if you if you watch one I of the first trailers was the police yeah and, and yeah. i mean it works that way but yeah when you watch the first trailer there's a a, a shot of like a weird I hate to say it, the stereotypical, like, I'm a, a big time, like, comic book guy from The Simpsons, that kind of vibe, where mm -hmm. he's, like, menacingly walking into the studio. So, again, you know you're not going to have time to do that, so why even bother stuffing into the script? And, and I'll, when we get to the chops later, I'll, I'll bring up some more instances of that, but he, there's too much going on in this movie, and, and it cuts a lot of characters short to me because of that. Yeah, and even if you had crammed that, if this hadn't been a four-hour movie and you put that in there, I'm just, where would it have added to the story that was being told? And I guess that's my concern is, that seems, I, you said it's a subplot, but it almost seems like a completely different movie. Like, it's just weird. Because I even thought it was just, 
weird that she was in the movie. Like, the whole scene of her standing up and it's her, like, ripped up face and all of that. I was like, that's the... I remember it in the trailer. I'm like, this is... She's brought in literally just for that. For... To me, for her to be shown as being horrifically, you know, deformed now. And then she's she's eaten. That's it. And she's she's essentially a prop. You know? Yeah. A horror prop at that. What a what a tough life, too. Jesus Christ. You you survive that first attack, but are forever scarred, and then you get digested by an alien. Well, and what was interesting about her character, she's horrifically scarred, but again, she's still in bright clothing. Like somehow she has a positive outlook on life or something like that, but that's something you don't really get to see. Did you notice what was on her shirt? No, what was it? It was a picture of her before she was deformed. Oh, damn. Yeah, so like bright colors, but clearly uh, having a tough time letting go of her former child stardom, which obviously runs parallel to Jupe. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my, my last uh, my last question. And I kind of hinted at the opening. How, how does not how does six months go by with this fucking alien saucer doing this and nobody sees it? I guess because the whole thing is it's supposed to be like a predator. So it's it's only coming down when. I, I guess when no one else is around, like it's, you know, the, the theory, like, you know, uh, Great White Shark is an apex predator, but it's an opportunistic hunter. So you never see footage of a of a basically a Great White Shark getting into a fight with a seal or something like that. It's always they come up from underneath and grab it, or they take out something defenseless. You never see the you know they have the same theories about like the T Rex and stuff like that. It's like they're just as as squishy as everything else, so they're not going to risk themselves being injured. So a lot of those apex predators are they're just very opportunistic, and I, I assume it's something like that where the the alien isn't going to come down and attack unless it needs to. What I thought was interesting, I think they tried to to kind of explain it with the fact that it was being territorial. But it's like, oh, they explain every Friday it comes down to feed and eat. So it's been eating once a week. And then in the course of this movie, it has eaten a whole bunch of shit in about 24 hours. Like, I can't imagine, like, short of having the concrete horse in its digestive system, like, what's that? Like, thing has to be bloated as hell because it has consumed more in 24 hours than it has probably in the last six months. Yeah, it's fair. It's just one of those things where, yeah, in Jaws, you can get away with that because they're literally out in the middle of the ocean. It's just a little... It's a movie about a, a living, breathing, convenient. flying saucer, but it's a little bit convenient. But that's a, just a minor quibble. Yep. I think that we can go into with the creature feature with that. Like, just what did you think? I thought it was very, it was a very cool take on the on the UFO that, oh, actually, the creature is the UFO. And, you know, when OJ makes the, the lines like, what if it's not a ship? I was like, is he implying that it's an animal? And then that's exactly what it was. I'm like, that's actually kind of a, a cool concept. It was definitely one of those when it splits apart and becomes its angelic form at the end and all that. I was like, okay, this is a little, little bizarre and weird what we're doing here that, you know, it's almost like a boss battle in a video game. Like, oh, you defeated its first form. Now it's its ultimate form with the the, the green ribbons um, that I, are tendrils that I guess would consume. But um, I I thought the, the design of it was pretty cool, especially, you know, for a while, I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be like made out of, and then I think it's this the shot when it like land or basically halfway crashes into the into the ground because it's trying to avoid consume you know sucking up something colorful, and you realize it's kind of a fabricy thing, and then that's when it disassembles and becomes its ultimate form and all that. I was like, oh, I thought it was it was pretty cool seeing like yeah, it's supposed to essentially glide on the wind and stuff like that. I think some of its movements are a little fast for something that's surfing on, you don't know, the a breeze. But again, it's one of those things I'm willing to forgive because, again, it's a monster movie. At a certain point, you have to have a, a suspension of disbelief or to that point, like, how is it creating the cloud that it's hiding in? Like, what is are there, you know, is it spraying out? Because it's like the cloud doesn't move, but it's like, well, the cloud would still move if it's constantly spraying out some kind of vapor to, you know, suppress itself. So it's like, what is or even to that point, like. I didn't understand why it has some kind of charge over electromagnetic pulses that causes everything electrical to, to die. But I was like, again, creature feature. I'm I, I will suspension disbelief with, with some of that stuff that, you know, it's just an alien. And you, because of that, you just have to assume that there's weird shit going on with it. 
Yeah, and I did love it. It Jordan Peele managed to give you know Jean Jacket, as they call it, some level of character. You know, it's there's the comment that it's territorial, but when it gets that horse stuck in it and it's pissed off and it rains blood on the house. I, I could feel like the anger. I know that's a weird thing to say, but you could tell it was kind of flexing like you better stop fucking with me. Like this is your this is the mm. warning shot. And that scene was just was one of those things where instantly I was like, this is going to be iconic. This is going to be considered like a classic horror movie scene, you know, 20 years from now. Well, I think because I think there's movies that kind of take that where it's like the blood trickling down the windows. And it's like it's always one of those like it doesn't make any sense. But in this instance, like they found a way like it makes sense why blood is basically painting the house. Right. Because the thing is hovering above it and is, you know, <laughs> it it is squished all of the people and is now letting everything run down the house basically to mark the house. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> And that beautiful shot where, you know, it's raining heavily, but not over the house because it's hovering. That was a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of that. I mean, I think uh, Jordan definitely did himself a favor in trying to do this in a giant desert horse ranch because he's allowed those law la- those large open spaces where it is, despite it being kind of barren because it's a desert, it's still very beautiful. Um I did think that the power lines were going to come into the movie because there's a couple lines, especially at night when you see the blinking red lines. Like, that's what I I told my wife. We were watching. I'm like, oh, Emma's going to drive this thing into the power lines and that's how it, she's going to kill it. And it wound up that wasn't what was happening. But I definitely thought with as much as they showed that, that that was going to wind up uh, being a call. I like what they did better. Um, but I definitely thought that that was going to be like the, again, kind of a, a callback to I think it was, is it Jaws 2? Or Jaws, where it bites. I think it's Jaws two, where it bites the electrical. Oh yeah, yeah, that's line Jaws and, and like fries it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so. you mentioned. I don't have much s- else to say about the creature. Yeah, you mentioned the setting. That's into the great wide open. I I loved the the visuals of the movie. Though it reminded me of when we reviewed the professionals. Those uh, sweeping vistas, like the mm-hmm. the beautiful sky with the white fluffy clouds kind of contrasting with that desert you know terrain i love that they just kind of practically probably on a trailer move that house in and just put it in the middle of the you know the canyon there Mm -hmm. the all the shots were just gorgeous and the the western vibes in the third act um when oj goes on the run uh with the horse Mm -hmm. and he's got the uh Travis just lost his headphones. Yeah, here I'm back. Uh, he's got the uh, the green dots representing eyes, so that the the creature will chase it. I I loved that, and it it books it bookends with the sound of music. The soundtrack on this movie is amazing, so much so it's one of those oh, that God, I yes. will I will play it in the car when I'm in the mood for something instrumental. Because there's two tracks on here, one called "The Run" and one called "A Hero Falls." beautiful um and another influence on this movie to me clearly is signs and uh there's a track in here you i don't know if you notice it but it it was eerily similar to the signs soundtrack as well so this movie hmm. wears its influence i did not pick up on the signs one yeah i'll send you the track after um, we record yeah absolutely uh i also just to go back to, to the great wide open and we'll just kind of pair these two together what i do love is again hits the visuals he knew to contrast that because again you have kind of that drab very you know monotone desert and then he goes and finds a story reason why you would have these bright flashy you know the inflatable arm guys and then even the 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 flag wrapped around the horse so that you know when the thing eats it and it's just the flags are dangling out of that cloud i love every time that because there's a couple shots of that with the flags just hanging out of that cloud i love those shots every time um, but again, just again, knowing what you're doing allows you to kind of be able to play with that because it it is very, like I said, it, the way that it contrasts in those scenes is is gorgeous. And I love too the inflatable men also serve because in the first Jaws movie, there's the moment where um, they're using like barrels to bring him to the surface, and he keep, Jaws mm-hmm. keeps dragging the barrels further, but the you can see where he is because of the barrels. Kind of the same thing yep. with Jean Jacket. When the inflatable men deflate, you know, okay, he's there. So it's a great way to, quote unquote, hide the shark. Um, 
and, and kind of pay homage to Jaws, but have it be a visually striking way to do it. Yep. Because, I, I mean, it's you, there's no way for you to not notice the parallels to Jaws um, in this movie. And, and that's not an insult to it. Um, it still feels like an original story. But, again, I would say that there's a, a, a large level of homage to to Jaws and kind of the way that that movie was structured. Um, so I think the only thing we have left is Pray to the Heavens, and that's P-R-E-Y for the audience who didn't get to read it on their, their phones. Um, this, we already really went into it, so unfortunately, well, this will wrap up quick, but this is really just kind of about the different prey of the uh, of the alien and just kind of men's hubris. I think the only thing that we haven't really talked about was Jupe essentially thinking that because he survived um, the the chimp attack, that somehow he was special, and that he, you know, he was a chosen one that he could he could tame the alien being, because you know the the chimp, what was the name of Gordy? The, Gordy, because Gordy mauled everybody else, but didn't have, you know it still saw him. It will not only and gave somehow. him the fist bump. Gave him the fist bump, yeah. That somehow that meant that he had some divine right or something like that, that he would be able to tame the alien and just, you know, get his hubris and just immediately, immediately. The irony of he's seen how horrific it can go, and yet he still chose to do it because he thought he was the exception, the exemption of, of you know, trying to, to take advantage of essentially a wild animal. Well, I, I'm trying to work some bits in a little more conversationally. So this kind of leads perfectly to my time capsule. Uh, Steven Yoon, who plays Jupe. Mm -hmm. uh, all the performances across the board in this movie are amazing. But my time capsule is thinking about uh, The Walking Dead all the way back in season one. Glenn. When I still <laughs> liked the show. To think that Glenn would morph into the actor that Steven Yoon is now is incredible. Uh, time caps was it. Yeah. I could say the same thing about John Berthold. It's just amazing that two of those actors on kind of a, let's be honest, it started as a kind of a mid level show are now a listers. Mm -hmm. The scene where he is describing what happened through the lens of an SNL skit. It's one of those where the dialogue, it's like, wow, he is really deranged to only talk about it through the lens of Saturday night lives spoofing it but you can see it in his eyes that it's because that's how he copes with it like he doesn't want to mm -hmm. talk about what really happened but he can talk about it through the lens of you know again hollywood spectacle you know making a tragedy into a, a comedic skit so his performance i he had to go like you said to the hubris of him you know he flew too close to the sun twice and this time he he got burned so he had to go i, I was still sad to see him go because i enjoyed his presence in this movie so much Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get a, a nope prequel. Yep. But I, <laughs> I gave you the rim job there, Brett. Again? Rim shot. Um, rim uh, shot. Right, right, yeah. The, 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 the rim shot, rim shot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then the only other one I had in this section, you know, we talked about uh, antlers having to get, you know, what was his line that humanity doesn't deserve the un unfilmable shot or the God, impossible the shot the impossible shot we don't deserve the impossible shot and then yeah the tmz guy just being more concerned with getting the the video and getting the shot than actually surviving right what what is life without fame but uh yeah that's that's really all i had for that because like, we wound up kind of covering it a little bit in some of the other sections but uh if if you're good with that we already also kind of went into i've got questions that my biggest one was i where was the eye on the monster like i just wish they had made that a little bit more apparent um and i don't know if they were trying to the the begin or the 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 open with the the jockey going through the the box if that was supposed to imply to us like, oh, this is vision, you know, you're seeing the eye, this is the vision so that you get that. But I just I never felt that that translated well, at least in the version of the movie we got, maybe in the four hour version, it's a little bit more explicit that the eyeballs in there. Um, I, I'm, well, I'm ready to I'm ready to go after the movie a little bit, though. Oh, OK, let's do it. Yeah, let's. Um, it kind of in our, our new format that we, you know, we'll probably oscillate from you. Uh, do you have the list in front of you? Like the six items that 
maybe we could change. If you don't, it's okay, because I know the one that I want to change, but... Oh, well, you don't get to pick, Travis. We have to spin the Wheel of Destiny. I'm not going to let you just have it. That's not fair. I, I spun the Wheel of Destiny. I'm, I'm it, fucking it, with it you. It happened to land on what I wanted, Brett. What do you want me to do? All right? I'm, I'm like Jupe, all right? I'm just lucky, okay? All right, so what did you want to change about this? So, well, this is... Okay, so we're going to do... Mm, let's just do Blue Book real quick because oh, I yeah, think okay, it's that. Bad, you bad. already went through Time Capsule. This week, there's no tag and title because this movie didn't have a tagline. So let's just... Well, oh, it, did, Blue Book it didn't real have a tagline? Nope, did not have a tagline. <laughs> I guess just because... Nope. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So Travis, the sticker price of this here flick was an estimated $68 million. Which? Which? How much did the fucking gray band cost? Like 150? And it was god awful and it looked god awful. It's amazing to me like what true filmmaking talent and vision can do. You can get a budget of 68 million, which is no art house indie by any means, but it's still again almost a hundred million dollars cheaper than something like the gray man and just make pure beautiful art. What do you think the movie brought in? U.S. and Canada. I'll say he's coming off of us. Yeah, he's, he's got Get Out under his belt. We were kind of almost all the way back from COVID. Yeah, this is this is one of those probably most people felt comfortable going to the theater. I'll say eighty-eight million U.S. and Canada. Eighty-eight million. So it costs sixty-eight million. You think you got eighty-eight million U.S. Canada? Yeah. You'll be happy to know, Travis. $123 million. Damn. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Do you have, right, do you have an do international you wanna, gross? What you, yeah, what do you think it did international? So worldwide total... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous, and I, and I hope I'm right. I'm going to say 180 Little, little over, a little over. It's 171 is why okay. I mean, approximately 171. So, yeah, definitely a success. Like, not a with, with being COVID, yeah, with with being COVID, most of the the rest of the world, I don't think, came out of it as quickly as the U.S. did. And and Brett, I'll tell you what, my my boss at work clowned me because uh, he said that Jordan mm-hmm. Jordan Peele can dedicate a wing to his house to my name. I rented this for $20 as soon as it was available, and then I purchased it for $20, and then I sent you $20 because I wanted you to watch this so badly. As you recall, Brett, I texted you when I got out of the theater, and you politely told me, don't give me any fucking spoilers. So I (laughs) have been dying for you to see this movie, and so it was no questions asked. And then when the physical release comes out on October 25th, I'm going to buy that. So I will have... Is there a special edition? Uh, there's a steel book from Best Buy uh, that's a two disc. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's a lot of deleted scenes. Ideally, I wish they would just release the four hour cut. I know that will never happen, but I will definitely report back to you and let you know if it's feature wise worth it. Because one of the things we've bemoaned is the death of special features, mm-hmm. especially like a, a good solid commentary. Um, so here's my question: uh, side side conversation bar, whatever. So if we wanted the full version, do we call it the peel cut or is the Snyder cut? Is that is that just the lexicon now? It's like I want the Snyder cut of no. Like, is that I'm just asking from from a pop culture standpoint, like is any time you want the director's like the full director's cut of a movie, is it always going to be called the Snyder cut? I mean, did you because of what happened? Did you not do that intentionally? Because, you know, you, you can peel and then cut a vegetable like the peel. It has to be the peel cut. Get it? Oh, I, I uh, sadly, as much as I love Dadjex, I did not. Oh, I did not. Put I thought that that's together. exactly what you were going for. So yeah, and I was sh- asking a legitimate question. Do we call this the Snyder? Do we want the Snyder cut or do we want the peel cut? Uh, well, I think the peel cut would actually be good. So I want the peel cut. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Not to, to bitch on another movie. The Snyder Cut was no better than the original. Like, I don't I, know why I, everyone I, thought. Like, oh my God, it's, it'll, it'll add so much. It's like, it just added runtime. That's all it added. 
But here's the thing, as we know about Warner Brothers, they're bigger into the accounting element. You know, they'll purchase properties just to kill them for tax write-off. The Snyder Cut, hey, it flopped the first time. Let's squeeze a little bit more money out of it. God, Fuck I, Warner God Brothers. God knows what's going to happen at Warner Brothers. Dude, I, I am concerned about that. With all the, yeah, what, what the future of that production studio. Well, all right. So we can get into Chop Shop now. So as Travis alluded to, if you did not listen last week, we did decide for the Hollywood uh, obligatory Hollywood trilogy here. <laughs> we we're going to change up the Chop Shop format a little bit. Um, so instead of doing a full Chop Shop, we're doing some hot chops where we're just going to try and change into another genre. And then we get to select from a few categories. Uh, you can change the actors, director, writer, score composer, Key plot points, setting, or perhaps the release, and that could be the decade in which it is released, the time, or perhaps the the distribution, whether it's direct to streaming or theater or anything like that. So those are kind of our categories. You choose what you want to do with it, but uh, and then I think when it's all said and done, we're going to do something similar to the last Christmas special where we're going to try and merge all three of the Halloween movies we did into one movie. So... With that, Travis, you seem very eager. Chop shop. Um, the distribution, not in the sense that it, I mean, I guess by definition, it would have to be a streamer, but this should have been either a two or three part miniseries because as favorably as I compare this to Jaws, the reason that it cannot touch Jaws or really come close to it is because you know what Jaws had, Brett? What's that? Some character development. <laughs> um, because you think about Jaws, the three people, because by the end of the, the last basically 45 minutes is Jaws. Instead of the ocean, they're out here in this canyon. You've got their different people there with different motivations. But mm -hmm. in Jaws, you've got Roy Schneider, or Scheider, excuse me, uh, as the, the sheriff, Brody, Chief Brody, who's afraid, terrified of the water, but... Because his community is in grave peril, he decides to overcome his fear, go out on the ocean, and ultimately he's the one that kills the shark. Uh, you have Quint, who is kind of antlers in this movie. I kind of got the parallel between those two. Uh, but because mm -hmm. this movie doesn't have enough runtime to give antlers any sort of story, you know, i.e., what's the pill bottle for, his death seems kind of stupid to me. It's like he's got the shot and he's like, no, no, not good enough. Let me just run over here and die. If you had given him a a subplot like Quint in Jaws, his his story arc is he's faced these sharks once with the USS Indianapolis story, which just saying that gave me goosebumps because that scene is so amazing. And his arc mm -hmm. eventually is kind of like Jupe. He survived that massacre the first time. He didn't survive it the second time. And then Richard Dreyfus, I honestly can't remember exactly what his arc was. I believe he had one. Do you remember? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I don't. I just remember Dreyfus. Yeah. No, I don't remember what Dreyfus's arc was. But at the very least, two out of the three have a, a, a an incredible arc. I don't know what the arc in this movie is. I don't know even, like, the score is perfect. And the scene where OJ does this, you remember that? Mm -hmm. As the callback to when they were kids and and... You know, her father wouldn't look at her. That's so shoehorned in here. That is so underdeveloped. Like, that could have been a powerful moment, but because we don't get it to spend enough time with the siblings, especially in the past with the, the father alive and how that dynamic was, it just feels like here's supposed to be the emotional moment of the movie, but nothing we did really built up to it properly. And then Angel is comic relief in here, but you can tell... They left the farm and went to Angel's apartment. There was a lot more there that that got cut because all the cool clothes they wear, the Rage Against the Machine shirt, love that shirt, the uh, the mm -hmm. shirt with the cartoon wolf on it, all that shit was Angel's. But we just speed through that. Like they leave the farm and are back on the farm in what feels like six minutes of screen time. Well, when they're in the diner, isn't there a fight going on outside? Soccer the, team. What the, like, no yeah, I idea. assumed that there was... Yeah, that that had to be a scene that got cut because I'm like, it's so weird to have that going on in the background. I'm like, what is the point of the this fight that's happening out of focus in the background? And then, yeah, it just nothing. We never address it that there was a fight out there. And, you know, like I said, the, the siblings don't have much of an arc. OJ on his own. I think the arc was supposed to be 
you know, he's finally filling his father's shoes and he's going to do it even better than his father did. But I don't think that comes through. I just, M has a line about her side hustle involving motorcycles only so that we don't question how she can ride a motorcycle so well at the end. Or how she can sew, or when she sews all the shit together. Yeah, it's just everything <laughs> is so half-baked because you had to cut an hour and a half of this movie out. I think the main arc that we were supposed to have was M's arc and her ability to go back and essentially prove herself and that she is capable because whenever you hear somebody about having all the side hustles and all that, it's because they don't have any confidence to commit to any one thing. They're just they're just trying to find something that they can fall into because they never felt like they could amount to anything. And it you know basically you know armchair psychiatrist here or anything like her whole thing was jean jacket that that was supposed to be her horse and her father took that away from her and because of that moment she never had the confidence she needed to ever excel in life. It was always jumping around. And this was her chance. No, and, you know, her brother tries to take Jean Jacket again. Like, you could see he was going to sacrifice himself so that M could survive. And essentially her saying, like, no, this is my moment. I'm taking my moment. This is this is Jean Jacket 2.0. I'm I'm going to I'm going to tame the beast. I'm going to I'm going to do this. You know, one's going to take this from me. But, yeah, no, I think that that was the big arc for her was essentially her getting her confidence back and then whatever happens after this movie you can assume that she will excel and that she's going to find her her footing her place and be able to move forward with it okay so tell me if i'm if i'm just doing my thing where i want a downer ending in a movie do you think oj was really alive at the end yes okay i do I mean, because the way yep. that's framed, he's under that sign that says out yonder mm -hmm. and it's all foggy and he's he's very much the Western element of the movie is at play. Like he definitely kind of has the cowboy vibe there. I wasn't sure if they were kind of suggesting that he is he's the new age equivalent of the black jockey like M's going to get most of the credit. But OJ was the one that did it. I I'm, I'm probably reaching that. And I'm the only one in the world that even had entertained that thought for a moment. But the way it was framed was so eerie. I was like, I wonder if he's suggesting that maybe he's actually dead. I mean, it could be. It could wind up being that that was he did sacrifice himself so that M got a, a running start. Because, I mean, that would kind of explain. I didn't understand how suddenly she was able to start the motorcycle. But if it had to pursue him so that it could actually get far enough away from her that she could start the motorcycle that would explain that so i mean to your point with the out yonder i mean he maybe he did die that essentially m m was able to tame the beast after all but it did wind up being at the sacrifice of everything else so uh last time i'm gonna do this and then you can get to whatever chop you want but the electric bike if the motor dies it's not gonna throw the rider like the wheels aren't going to stop i thought that was a little bit dumb again small potatoes <laughs> but i'm like it would just slowly lose momentum yeah it was funny but yeah to your point that doesn't make any sense why it just threw him from the bike uh but yeah anyway i i just i think this could have benefited from being like a prestige two or three part series because you really could have fleshed stuff out i like the movie more when you kind of explained that m is really the the center of the movie and it's her arc i still don't think it's as ex it's executed as well as you describing it if that makes sense well, to your point, there's pieces missing. Like, I think that that is the ultimate arc, but there are pieces of that story missing. It's they did the bare minimum to allow that arc to exist. And then you be able to kind of stitch the pieces together, you know, so I could say that at the end. But, you know, with you saying that the original cut was four hours, I would imagine that there was a lot more that kind of added to that because you hear about the girlfriend and, you know, M is is a, seems like she doesn't ever have anything, any roots and I, I assume a lot of that would have they would have gotten into a lot more of that. Yeah. So just as good as this was, I, I, I wanted more. And, and I think to make it as great as it could have been, it, it needed more. So that that's my final statement on that part of it. Because hmm. I think of another scene that I think didn't really go anywhere in the movie because I'm sure it got cut out was when OJ makes the mirror ball because he's going to go out and I assume train Lucky or it wouldn't be Lucky because he already lost. It was Ghost. Does he ever do anything more with that? Or I'm pretty sure that he does that, and that's when the kids turn on the sprinklers in his... So that never comes back up again, other than the fact that he was going to make it so that he could try and train the horses. 
Uh, that scene we didn't talk about when Jupe's kids, which again, Jupe's kids just kind of show up out of nowhere and mm -hmm. there's just a drop line to let you know, like, don't mess with the Jupes or whatever. But man, when he punches that kid and you figure out that it's a kid that Fucking he punched, love it. I, I thought that was hysterical and such a, like, this is actually what would happen. Yeah, and even then, even if it had actually been an alien, it's fantastic. It's just like his reaction is like, no, it's fight or flight, and I'm fighting. Like, he just punches him right square in the face. Yeah, and you know what? I, they, I'm like, that, he would have given that kid a hell of a concussion, but, you know, 35 minutes later, he's going to be getting eaten by an alien, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but is there anything that you would change specifically? Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I guess if I was going to try and I'll, you know, change this into a different genre, anything specifically with the horror other than the stuff that we've talked about, nothing beyond that. Like, I think there's, there's some pieces that are, that are missing. Um, to your point, I think it would have been interesting as a, a little bit longer of a, a series it would be interesting to see a horror series like that like a jaw like a, a creature feature where they kind of it's a three-parter um because the question is do you try and give any more emotion or backstory to the to the monster because i think some people talked about plot holes with this movie and i'm like i feel like a lot of it has to do with how does the monster have electromagnetic stuff i'm like it's a creature feature like you don't that's not the stuff you focus like the monster is a is a means to catapult what's going on right it's you shouldn't be focusing. It's an alien. They've explained it's an alien. Beyond that, you I don't know how fucking aliens work, so I'm not going to sit here and try and figure out why it's, it does what it does. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I feel like we fulfilled yeah. our chop shop thing with, with what you went when we went over with the changing into a series, so I, I'm not going to do any more than that. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a sign that we both agree that it's a very good movie, that there's only real one, the one glaring weakness to it. So uh, if it's not broken, don't break it. Because <laughs> then you got to fix it. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this week. I don't know. Did we decide? Are we doing Scream next week? Uh... I mean, that's the most prominent of I, horror is not my genre. So what, the, what's been on the 2022 calendar? I know very little about. I was going to suggest bodies, 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 but it's not available uh, for for rent yet. So I get I guess Scream. Do, do we want to commit to it? I'm fine with Scream because it's a it's a slasher. So we've done a monster flick, a slasher and then a family. I don't know what the fuck you want to call Hocus Pocus. A soulless cash shit, grab. So. A soulless cash yes, grab. Yeah, and a soulless cash grab. Um, so, yeah, that'll be fun to try and merge those all together. So, yeah, I we will do the 2022... Is it a remake? Is it a sequel? I don't know much, because I don't... To your point, horror is not my thing, so I don't, I don't follow any of that shit, so is it... Cause I it's thought, definitely a sequel. Was it, it is a sequel? They just called it Scream again? uh yeah it's just called scream okay yeah yeah well we'll do that i wasn't sure if it was like a soft reboot or if it was a sequel or eh, soft reboot is a good way to describe it because it's kind of like we've got the old cast it's it's kind of what the third bad boys movie did like hey we're gonna give you will smith and martin lawrence but hopefully these younger characters you like them and then we can kind of cut out the high price old people for the next one <sighs> uh which God, that's gonna make work, a comparison to for bad boys uh we'll see if it works for scream well, I was just that. Didn't you say that's what you thought they did with Hocus Pocus? So, oh, we'll yes, see. yes, it's true. It's just the same yeah. fucking thing. Ooh. <laughs> you know what? I apologize to Bad Boys because they did it at least way better than Hocus Pocus did. So, alrighty, sir. Well, thank you all for joining us again. Next week, we'll hopefully see you back for Scream. And then, um, Travis, do you have something Are you, are you not going to ask me my overall take on the movie? I'm just doing this What's to shoehorn a quote in. Well, I was going to ask you your final line. I thought that's you. You were setting me up for that. But what's your what's your final verdict of the movie? Five stars, Angel. And little waves. Little waves. Seeing my little waves. All right. I'm not sure. I got a new chair. No squeaks. Ooh. So I can, I can move around, no squeaks. There. Pretty happy about it. It's pretty nice. <laughs>
especially with, you know, they named it Jean Jacket again. Again, kind of, I think Jordan Peele again, kind of being a little, you know, nail, you know, over the head there, hitting, or, uh, hitting the, god damn it, I'm just going <laughs> to smash everything together. I was on a, I was on a roll here and I just let it all out. I, but I um, know what's going at the end of the episode, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, that was another, we didn't talk about him. You can hit, stop it all that, but it's like, Angel is another, like, he was a lot like, and we're like, he's a total fucking asshole, and I'm supposed to care about him. Like, at least M gets, Angel gets a little bit better too, but I'm like, the way he, he's Nick Burns, your company's computer guy, when they go up there, I'm like, for fuck's sake, I'm like, he's just a fucking prick. Why am I supposed to care? Like, why do I care that he joined their group or anything like that? He's just an asshole. And then it's like, oh, but he's a loner because he's there all by himself at night watching their feeds because he's got nothing better to do. And I'm like, I don't care. He was still a fucking dick. 